everyone. Welcome to EGA's podcast, Telling Stories from the Clubhouse. I'm Anna Capazera, Director of Audio Description Operations at Deluxe Media. And today we are speaking with Thomas Reed and Lawrence Neal about exploring job opportunities in AD. I'll let my wonderful guests introduce themselves. Thomas, if you don't mind starting. Sure. Um, hello, everybody. I'm Thomas Reed. I am a brown-skinned Black man with a smooth-shaven bald head, full neat beard, Sprinkle with a little bit of salt and pepper. And currently I'm wearing my, I'm always wearing my dark shades and I'm currently seated in my vocal booth at my home in the Poconos, which is in the Northeast region of Pennsylvania. Um, just to tell you a little bit about myself. I host and produce Read My Mind Radio, a podcast featuring compelling people impacted by all degrees of blindness and disability. And uh, I produce an annual season called Flipping the Script on Audio Description where we go beyond the mainstream conversation. And I'm also an audio description narrator, consultant, and advocate. Awesome. Thank you. Um, sure. Lawrence. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you said, my name's Lawrence Neal. Um, this is a short description. You might say I'm a bespectacled white man with a short patchy beard and straight brown hair. <laughs> um, I'm based in London. I'm the head of studio at Adrenaline Studios out in Harrow. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it for me. Great, thank you both. And I'm your host, Anna Capazera. I'm a five foot two Korean American woman with dark brown hair that's a little longer than shoulder length. And I'm currently sitting in my home office in Los Angeles. Um, Lawrence, would you mind telling us a little bit about your role in the AD workflow? Yeah, so um, as the head of studio, I do sometimes have to record and mix audio description. So uh, yeah, I'll find myself in the studio with the voice talent, working with them to try and get the best takes and also the most accurate descriptions, which may sometimes require some script revisions, although quite often I think our, our script writers are quite, quite good. Um, and then the mixing side, I'll just be trying to bed all of that into the original printmaster to create as seamless an experience as possible for all of the AD uh, audience. And do you record, do you typically record audio description live with the voice actor? Yes, yes. So we usually have them in the studio. Um, there are some talents who have, you know, a good home setup, and in which case uh, they'll, they'll record it themselves in some, you know, we do have some writers as well that, that voice it. So it, it's we we make those decisions on a project by project basis, and we try to decide, you know, discern what will be best for that title, that uh, series, or, or whatever project comes through the doors. And uh, yeah, it can be can be either or. Cool, thank you. And Thomas, how about you? What is your role in the AD workflow process? So I have the uh, the opportunity to have multiple roles um, depending on the situation. So it's it began with uh, with narration, um, but I also work with a collective of AD professionals consisting of multiple writers, narrators, and uh, in addition to narration, I sometimes project lead, I QC quality control, and I also mix. Um, so it kind of depends on on 
you know, which opportunity, which, uh, which function I'm serving at a given time. A lot of different roles. That's great. Yeah. I should um, also mention the, the role of, uh, advocacy and, uh, and, and consumer. Of course. <laughs> that's important. <laughs> um, and going off of consumer, how did you learn about audio description and when did you start using it? Wow. So that, that ties into, um, to when I became blind in 2004. And so, um, I, I quickly learned uh, about a need for audio description because, you know, I, I didn't know anything about it prior to that. Um, and so, you know, when trying to watch a movie, I was like, Hey, I'm missing a whole lot. And, um, you know, my wife and I were real moviegoers. We were very interested and still are um in going to into the movies to the movies and so she kind of did some of the early research in the beginning um because i was still i didn't have access to a computer at the time because i was very new to blindness at that time and uh she she found audio description and i think the first title was probably a video that we rented which i i believe was probably lion king the lion king the first one um and so kind of watched that at home but it wasn't until Maybe three years later, 2007, when a theater not too far from my home started offering audio description. And um, she kind of surprised me. And we went there. Um, I had no idea where we were going. She was like, yeah, we're going to go to the movies. I'm like, the movies? Like, we haven't gone to the movies for years. And uh, we went in and, and, and we got the headset. And it was, wow. Uh, yeah, it was mind-blowing for me. So it was, it was a real change. And so that was probably the day that I got hooked on where audio description can really go and, and sort of, you know, um, just, just really loving it, every aspect of that. That's great. Yeah. That's, it's really exciting to um, use the headsets in the theater and get to hear the AD there. Yeah. When they work. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and Lawrence, how did you hear about audio description? Um, yeah. Audio description kind of, came into my workflow as just part of being you know a member of a dubbing studio and uh it's it's quite a large part of what we do and especially now it's been growing and uh that was the first i'd i'd heard of it and the first i'd interacted with it and it's just kept as i said just kept growing since then because it's become an, a more of an integral part of the post-production workflow and the post-production chain for a lot of projects and titles and especially especially streaming services now are kind of um pushing it a lot more to at least from what i've been able to to witness and is it more common now uh do you have any specific ad audio engineers or mixers who work in dubbing and sort of cross over into audio description or for example if someone was interested in being an audio engineer for uh ad Specifically, are those are there job opportunities that you've seen pop up? So I haven't seen or spoken to anyone who is necessarily, you know, specifically speaking from an engineering point of view, just an audio description engineer, whether it's on the recording side or the mixing side. But it is definitely an avenue that we like to direct engineers, and uh, because it's it's as far as as far as mixing goes, it's quite a good kind of almost an onboarding process in a way to, or a, a stepping stone, shall we say, for, for different types of projects. And, uh, and it, yeah, you have to consider things very differently. And it's, uh, 
yeah, you've, you've got a mix already, something that's well balanced, and you need to then kind of learn that, understand it, work within it, and shape the AD to something that's uh, it's an existing product already. So it's already, you know, developing skills for engineers. And because it's part of our our project base and our workflow, it is just, you know, quite a good thing to, to introduce new engineers, particularly to I find. Great. And um, Thomas, you wear many hats in the AD workflow. How did you find out about um, all of these potential employment opportunities in AD? And what was the process of, you know, you applying for these jobs or creating these roles with people in AD? Yeah, so for me, um, and, you know, it, it started with that interest. And I kind of reached out early on, uh, maybe, maybe by 2010 2012 in that in that general area um and i reached out to some we'll just say some prominent people within the industry and was having some conversations about audio description and i sort of asked like hey how can um someone like myself get involved i'm interested in in narration i was doing a significant amount of audio work already by that time and um and and yeah and, and what i was told was you know, all of the reasons that I could not, and, you know, it had to do with their, with the specific workflow. Um, eventually, you know, I kind of left that alone going that route and was having sort of this conversation and, and promoting it on my podcast, kind of talking about like, Hey, why aren't there more blind narrators? Like, why wouldn't I be able to do this? What's the problem? And, um, I met up with someone who was an independent producer of audio description, Cheryl Green. And she actually gave me my first opportunity in 2019 when we did a co-narration project for a disability arts project. Um, and that was that was cool. Um, but again, I was still kind of talking about it. And it wasn't until I had invited uh, Eric Wickstrom and Liz Gutman from IDC onto my podcast when when we were talking about it. And I learned that they were also interested in um, in getting more blind narrators involved, getting more blind people involved in general. And Eric and I kind of worked out a process and, and talked about it for a while. And he was already familiar with, again, with my podcast, um, was familiar, obviously, with my voice and with what I can do in terms of production. So he was the one who gave me my first shot with uh, with actually doing a project for Netflix. So to this day, there's I, as far as I know, there's no real set pathway for folks to kind of apply and, and get in there. Um, there. There's been a lot more in terms of blind narrators and that pathway for the most part has been Eric <laughs> to be quite honest with you um, because he's been open with it. And so folks have contacted him. Um, and so, you know, there are, there are several more people um, doing it now, but again, there's no real set pathway for that at right. this particular time. That's really interesting. And so as including people who are blind or have low vision uh, in the workflow is becoming more common, um, do you have any recommendations? I know, you know, go to Eric, that is a great recommendation, but I'm curious if you have any advice for those in the community who are interested in employment in AD, uh, just how they might track down information to contact folks about employment. Yeah, I think when I'm giving out, you know, recommendations and, and advice about that for, for blind and low vision folks, um, or for anyone, in fact, it's, it's to number one, 
kind of get a good understanding of what audio description is. Um, so if you're not watching it, if you're not watching with audio description, I recommend that to everyone. Um, I also recommend that folks have an understanding that, again, this is mainly from my perspective. Um, I see that most, most people that I know of aren't necessarily employed doing AD. It's, it's a freelance, right? It's freelance work. And so you, you may not be working for one specific company. You're going to try to look for, for gigs. It's that gig economy thing. So be aware of that. I think that's really important because that type of work is not suited for everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's lots of things that people who are just interested can do right now. So if you're talking about narration, I mean, are you familiar with your technology? Do you currently record on your own? Um, have you been working with your voice? What do you use? Do you use Braille? Do you use, like I do, is a, um, a, I call it sort of a, um, a screenless reading device or a teleprompter almost, but it's an audio teleprompter, right? And um, so that's where I use my screen reader and kind of repeat. And and there's a that's a that's not an easy process for everyone. Um, so there's there's some some learning that needs to kind of go in there and and practice. And so I recommend that everyone kind of gets really really comfortable with their own technology, with their own techniques, before they go out and and try to you know do some work and uh, for for hire. Great. Those are great suggestions. Thank you so much. Um, you both mentioned mixing, and I did want to just sort of uh, note for those listening who aren't familiar, um, AD often is mixi- mixed. It's the AD recording and the program audio with the program audio being dipped uh, a little bit when AD is present so that you can hear the AD better, uh, but still hear the program audio underneath. And then for theatrical releases, uh, typically you would go into a movie theater and get a headset where you would hear a track of the AD recording only because um you will hear the program audio through the theater speakers and it's already quite loud. So you don't need to hear a mix in your headset. And I'm curious, uh, Lawrence, how frequently do you mix? And um, do you ever do any theatrical edits? And even if you don't, would you mind explaining a little bit about just editing the, editing the recording in general, um, since that is something that an audio engineer will do, whether they're mixing or not? Yeah, so for the... I mean, we would start obviously editing, sorry, recording and then editing. And uh, we do take care of the editing to make sure that the audio is as clean as possible before we get it to the mix. Um, uh, you know, obviously, as we know in this industry, that timeline sometimes we have to kind of crunch things a bit together. But where we can, we try to edit it ahead of time uh, to clean out any clicks, whether they're mouth clicks or extraneous clicks in the recording from anything else or um, breaths as well because they can be distracting and uh yeah we'll we'll do that and then we'll mix it and the mixing from from what i've done so i haven't you know I've, i'm kind of now in my role moving a bit away from a lot of the engineering side of it so <laughs> i haven't uh mixed anything too frequently I, I haven't been in the studio all the time you know for the past month i've done maybe one or two projects here and there but what we'll do is we'll, we'll EQ it. And I think that with the EQ, we'll try to basically bring it into the to the realm of the original mix and make it sound natural within the space, not so that it doesn't jar at all. Still distinct enough that, you know, it's distinguishable as audio description, 
but kind of blended enough to 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 feel coherent with everything around it. And then, as you mentioned, you know, the dipping when you're doing a mix for usually for you know uh, something that people can usually consume from home, then uh, that will be mixed in with the program audio with the print master, and we'll dip that. And that will usually be done from my experience to try and do it as seamlessly as possible so that you don't really notice that anything's changed in the mix to allow for the AD to be heard. And uh, I've, we've, we've only got then, aside from that, kind of limited experience with theatrical audio description. But uh, yeah, that's, that's again, a little bit of a different thing because, like you said, that just goes in, in headphones usually as a narration-only and as someone <laughs> I haven't had too much experience with with that or too much uh, I haven't been able to listen to that too much. Thanks. And do you have any advice for people who are interested in uh, pursuing employment as an audio engineer for AD? For AD specifically, I I don't know because again <laughs> again like I like I mentioned for me it came about through being in the dubbing side of of things through the dubbing world and being you know, part of the post-production chain and and how that all came into my, uh, yeah, into my workflow, basically. So I, I don't personally know anywhere that people would go just to pursue a description. But if you are interested in audio description, I, you know, I can definitely re- recommend trying to get into, into post-production in general, because a lot of places I think now will have opportunities to do that. And I think it's, it may not be a uniquely expressed interest by someone who's pursuing audio engineering necessarily. Uh, but if you do, you would kind of stand out, I think. So it's always always good to look at in those uh, in those areas there for, for post-production. Great, thank you so much. Um, are there any specific skill sets that you think an audio engineer um, might want to focus on? Or do you think it's really sort of, you know, when, when you're starting out, um, these are sort of basic skills that you would have already uh, learned and honed, or is there anything you notice that kind of stands out about um, ED? So it's, I, I think it's going to be a lot of a lot of um, judgment. I think when you, when you're mixing because um, and 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 recording as well because it's not a voiceover and this is probably something that applies to to the artist as well is that you're not really to my experience and to my knowledge of of working with ad you're not playing a voice of god you're playing someone who's guiding the audience through the pro- through the the show or what or the the movie whatever there is that they're, that they're watching and um so you want to be able to shape it and that's kind of at the core of being a mix engineer is trying to shape the audio to suit the program and the audience, and so I don't. I wouldn't say that there's uh, skills necessarily that you need to focus on specifically for AD, but there are definitely reference materials that you should be aware of. So you, that you should check out. You should you should be familiar with AD before you start, because that will inform what you try to achieve with your mixing, with your recording, and so on. Great. Thanks so much. Um, And I'll just mention, I began my AD career as a writer. And if you're interested in 
um, starting out as an AD writer, I would definitely recommend listening to AD, noticing the differences in styles based on who's producing it. Uh, they do generally follow the same guidelines, but different vendors have different styles. And I would think about, uh, you know, where you're looking for uh, employment and listen to their specific style um, if you find that they have one because that's you know what they'll be looking for and know how to break down a scene to figure out what visuals are important learn to be concise bury your sentence structure have a good vocabulary those are all things that I recommend for writers if they're interested um, and Thomas do you have any advice for people who are part of the AD workflow and directly related to the work that you do? So, for example, as a voice actor, is there anything you'd want to pass on to those who write the scripts you read? Um, or as a consultant, anything you would want to mention to engineers, writers, or voice actors? Yeah, definitely. I think for as a in terms of a, being a narrator, um, I would always recommend that the writers sort of read their scripts allowed because there's a big difference in writing um for someone who's reading uh for audio right writing for the spoken word as opposed to just writing for someone who's going to read it off the sheet of paper so you know sometimes i encounter people who really like to use those tongue twisters <laughs> and, and that could definitely be annoying oh uh, because it's like oh uh, okay this probably you know sometimes it's cute um but then other times it's like yeah there's probably a better way to convey this too so um yeah i would definitely i would definitely recommend that um i think also the the idea of a writer being very curious is important and and researching because you know the more you can sort of put in there not that you have to go beyond um what I never I I don't believe that the person watching the film with AD should necessarily have more information than anyone else but I think sometimes it could be easier to convey something with some additional information whether that be the you know the setting right the scenery maybe it's naming a building especially if it's a famous building as opposed to trying to describe it it'll be a big difference if you say it's a really tall building or the Empire State Building right so so things like that i think research is is involved um and i think also that's the same for for some of this advice is true for quality control folks who are doing that type of work um you know being curious having your ideas i think some of the same um skill set around writing is probably true for for that position as well um, and and in general i also go back to that that whole idea of what i was talking about in terms of uh knowing freelance and also for those wanting to get into the to the business um understanding how the pay structure <laughs> is really important because there are lots of folks who think because it's entertainment like you know the pay is really really great or something and eh, uh, I, I don't know about that so <laughs> it should be something that you're, you're passionate about um so bring that passion uh to your work is what i would say to anyone great yeah, it's um, you know, I know on my team we we all really love writing. That's sort of how we got into AD, but um being a part of the service and having a passion for film and television and helping to make it accessible really gets us up in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you talking about reading out loud, you reminded me uh back in the days when we used to be at the office more. 
uh, all the AD writers, we'd be in a room together and you would just hear people reading their scripts back, uh, loud whispers or low volume speaking. And it sort of, people just sort of thought we were a group of crazy people um, speaking to ourselves. But it was always sort of funny when new people would pass by and wonder what was going on. Um, and Lawrence, as an audio engineer, is there a tip you'd give new voice actors looking to get into the field based on your process recording with them or what it's like when you need to edit their work? Um, I I think for voice actors, you know, if, if you're going into into the world of voice acting in general, I think there are there are good tips like, um, you know, being able to to control your breath, you know, understanding breath control and and breathing techniques or not not breathing techniques as in in and out but uh but you know where to breathe and finding good places to breathe because uh that can that can change the way you know how much editing is required and uh, and the way something comes across as well you know being able to read a long cue you know sure maybe then maybe then you go back to the writer and say hey can we trim this down a bit but uh being able to get through get through things like that and being able to minimize clicks is a big thing because i think as as part of the editing process removing anything like that especially if, if anyone's going to listen to it on headphones uh things like clicks can't just stand out a lot more and then it takes a lot of time in the editing obviously we can usually get rid of them so <laughs> there's not really too much harm done but there's there's things like that and then i would say also understanding again i think similar to audio engineers is just knowing what you're trying to achieve with uh with your voice and and with your delivery because quite often we'll have people come in and they'll be very uh enthusiastic shall we say and it may go a bit a bit too much into kind of narration um or you know rather than audio description necessarily because i think it's it's good to be engaged but not necessarily engrossed too much when you're recording because the emotion can can tip over and uh with you know we've had to do a few retakes in some cases and you know reel reel them back in and say hey you know we need to we need to do another take but there are certainly instances where having a bit of emotion a slight bit just to kind of match the scene always and again it's it's matching the scene that you want to be able to do um when you're when you're recording when you're voicing so that they get the right it'll it'll kind of you know get the right impression it'll, it'll kind of tie in with inflection and all of that but quite often we get people when they're starting out it's quite intense and again I'll, I'll, you know reference back it's it's not a voice of god type of narration it is you know a guiding uh voiceover with, with you know describing what's going on to try and paint a picture yeah walking that line between um not being bland or flat but also not you know acting in the scene can be yeah interesting that's the other side of it is you can yeah. be too too monotonous it does go that way as well so we have to kind of keep them in the happy medium that's why i think you know in, engaged versus engrossed and then maybe disconnected yeah those three right. extremes yeah. yeah and engaged i personally find is the kind of the ideal middle ground where you you're aware of the content you're narrating yeah that's a great way to phrase it i like engaged because it does mean you're processing the information and you're part of the scene um, but you know, you're maybe not, uh, acting it out very much. Yeah. Um, Thomas, I think maybe your workflow 
uh, as a blind voice actor may be a little bit different uh, depending on, you know, where the AV is being produced um, than it would be for a sighted voice actor. And I was wondering if you would just provide a little bit of an explanation on your workflow. I think that would be helpful for um, other blind or low vision voice actors who might be interested in trying to be a part of the process. Sure. I think the only thing that's different about my specific workflow um, is the fact that I use a screen reader uh, in, in to, to read the script. So in terms of, and most of the work I do is, is here in my booth, right? So, um, you know, however I get the script from the company uh, is either through their proprietary system um, and or it's via email, right? Uh, and what I usually like to do is to is to get that in a a raw format, which would be like an Excel spreadsheet or a CSV file, because I can I can do some additional manipulation. So that's probably different from other people because I like to, um, especially if I'm going to record straight to the timeline. Um, so I want the time codes. I want to receive the time codes, and then I can actually just you know record right at the timeline, right on the timeline. So the end file is already ready for them to kind of plop in um, and and do whatever needs to be done. But um, so so really, I'll get an Excel spreadsheet. I'll manipulate that a little bit, kind of output that to my text file that I'm going to use for the script. I'll do an import of the timestamps into my my DAW, um, which I use Reaper. And um, yeah, and then it's just a little bit of a manipulation of the script just to put it in a format that makes it easy for me to read, right? And so that's going to go according to the timeline. And then from that point, it's it's very similar. Everything is everything is um is just like anyone else would do it, except again, I'm using my screen reader to read that script and record. Um, from there, you know, I render a file and, and send it back. I mean, it's it's it sounds really simple. Maybe I'm making it. I don't think I'm making it more simple than it actually is, but that's that's what I do. That's my process. Um, that could be the same same process if I'm recording through like a Source Connect uh, session um, or a remote session. It's it's the same thing. Um, so sometimes I'll receive, like I said, a CSV. I can receive an Excel file. Sometimes I'll receive just a straight text file that has it because maybe they don't want it recorded on the timeline. Like if I'm not doing it, if I'm doing that via remote session. I'm not recording it on the timeline. So, um, yeah. So it really just depends on, on what's required. I'm curious if you receive any information about the duration of the AD lines that you'll be speaking. Like, do you have any parameters um, in terms of how long it needs to take you to read one of the sentences? Or is there just sort of an understood uh, natural um, average read speed that you sort of follow and that takes care of it. Yeah. For the most, for the most part, it's a natural read, um, but, but I do receive additional instructions. Um, you know, the word is usually brisk, right? <laughs> Folks love right. Brisk. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes it's fast. So I'm saying, okay, that's a little faster than brisk, I guess. Right. So, right. so, so um, yeah, but then again, when you receive, when I receive the information about the timestamps, um, often there's a in and an out, 
right? And so there's a there's a duration that can that's either calculated right there, like okay, this needs to take three seconds. So so I, I do have access to that information um, sometimes. And again, depending on the project, if I'm putting things to a timeline, I'm often sent a reference. Um, so I can receive the actual film or the the whatever the visual content is, um, and drop it in, and I'll 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 check it myself just to make sure everything is is according to um, it's fitting, right? Um, so yes, but but again, usually my natural speed is is pretty good. Sometimes I might get oh you can slow some of those down, and maybe that's in a pickup, um, but usually it's 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 right on, it's right there. Great, thank you, mm -hmm. and. Um... Do you have a, I don't want to make you narrow down to one favorite project, but uh, is there a project that you particularly enjoyed working on and why? Yeah, I guess the, the one that comes to mind um, is for, for a specific reason. So it was an earlier project that I did. It was the documentary of Notorious B.I.G. Um, and and the reason that that meant a lot to me is because of the feedback that I received from the community of AD users. Um, and, and it was very targeted, it was very specific. And so the feedback was number one, they appreciated that culturally I sounded like a fit for that film. Um, and I think that's a really big deal about just cultural competency in terms of not only the writing, but also the narration, making, making sure that the narrator fits with the, with the cultural theme of the project. Um, and so that felt, that felt really good and that people appreciated that um, yeah. And it was a, it was a fun project. So, and I also, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up there, but I lived in that, in that neighborhood for a little while in my life, earlier life. <laughs> so that was kind of nice. Interesting. Cool. Um, and Lawrence, did you, do you have a project that you enjoyed working on, um, for any particular reason? Um, I think I've worked on quite a few interesting ones. I, the one that stands out for some reason, not necessarily for maybe the reason that, that anything else would but um the first one <laughs> that i that i did I, I remember working on that one quite specifically for maybe maybe for the reason that it was the first one i did the first interaction i had with ad and it was a, a documentary called evelyn uh, this was i don't know <laughs> i can't remember how many years ago this was now but uh yeah that one it was my first first interaction with ad and i did i did quite enjoy it actually and it was it was eye-opening to say to say the least so that was again just the, the first title that comes to mind and there's there's been a few recently i think actually they're probably not released i don't know if i can mention them yet but uh yeah that's a, that's a different reason that uh, that, I, that i can't bring those up but in between that we've always had some some really been fortunate to work on some really interesting projects with ad and to to kind of experience them from from a different perspective so yeah even even for some reason is the one that, that sticks in my mind right now. Um, well, maybe sometime we can follow up and you can mention the ones once they've come out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'll try to keep track of them for you. <laughs> see when they release. Um, and just uh, as we're dwindling down our time, uh, I did want to mention that um, if anyone is interested in delving even more into the world of AT, uh, the EGA had an earlier episode that talked specifically about AD writing, which I recommend you listen to. Uh, and then Thomas actually has a podcast. And Thomas, would you mind telling us a little bit about it, how people can find it, and what types of discussions you have? 
Sure. So the the name of the podcast is Read My Mind Radio, and so that's Read Like My Name, R E I D, not the uh, the other way. <laughs> and and so yeah, that's it's available wherever you get podcasts, um, or you can go to readmymind.com. And um, yeah, so in in addition to interviews with folks within the disability community on all sorts of topics, I always do a an annual season called Flipping the Script on Audio Description, where the the intention there is to go beyond the mainstream conversation of audio description. So we're talking about um, things like, uh, you know, blind narrators, blind, more blind people involved in the process. Um, we're talking about AD in different, you know, in different aspects, not just theater and, and movies, right? We're going, we're going beyond that. And just, just what, what else is really important about audio description because for so long so many people kind of just think it's about entertainment but audio description is is more than entertainment it's more than access it goes into it goes into employment it goes into relationships it goes into so much and um that's what we're talking about there so i've been doing that for the last maybe three four years but even before that um lots of conversations about audio description like i said i've just been really interested in it since 07 so great thank you so much um well we are running out of time so i will end us there thank you thomas and lawrence so much for your insight and advice it's been really informative uh, and interesting to hear from you and thank you everyone for listening join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling